Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Scumbags, this is the Scummy Mummies podcast with your hosts Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Ellie Gibson, and it's me, Helen Thorne, and it's you, Tracy Fox. Hello, Tracy. Oh, hi. Welcome, hi. welcome. Thank you for coming along. Um, we're very pleased to have you with us, Tracy. Um, could you, for the listener, explain who you are, Tracy Fox? Who are you? Um, so I am. I suppose I am here because of one of my roles as a business faculty for the School of Life. Mm. So I teach emotional intelligence workshops in business for the School of Life. Um, beyond that, um, I'm, I'm many things. I'm a mediator. I am a facilitator. I'm an executive coach. Um, and yeah, that's she's that's basically changing lives, Ellie. She's. she's yeah, I, I was going to say something very rude. I was like, how shocking! I was going to say Go you've been it. fixing men. Because when you say these things, I think, fuck, you're, you're exactly. fixing men. It's, it's, it's true to an extent. Because yeah. when, we, when I teach on the um, on conflict management skills courses and on the, when I teach mediators, it, it is often the men who seem to have a light bulb switched on when I talk about listening. Is it? And managing emotions. And, uh, you know, they, sometimes they can't get it. And I don't want to be, you know, gender biased here, but it is often no, the men you're, you're who will say... No, you're welcome to do much of that. <laughs> or, and, and there was once a, there was once a course where um, a gentleman went home after the first day, came back the second day, and we'd, we'd been teaching active listening the, on the previous day. And he said, do you know what? When I, um, when I came, went home yesterday evening, my wife turned around and said to me, oh, you know, are you having an affair? And, and I said, no, why? And she said you actually really seem to be listening to me and paying attention to what I'm saying. What is going on? It's very unusual. Ah. And it's because it's so, for some, very revolutionary to think about how to have these skills to manage difficult conversations and understand people better. Well, who knew? Because, I mean, your husband in the phone didn't bloody listen to you, though, did he? <laughs> no! I had no idea. I had no idea. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh that's amazing. That's brilliant. And that, I mean, what high job satisfaction you must have because you were saying just before we started re- recording that you were into solutions so you've you've got like a proper task and finish kind of job it's not sort of you can see the changes in people and that must be pretty satisfying um i often can see the changes um <laughs> if they want to change yeah if they want to change <laughs> yeah. right and sometimes sometimes people just aren't ready to change you know it's very difficult to change your habits Mm. we know that right we want to change our habits ourselves we can't do it ourselves and sometimes people are not quite ready so if they're not ready to change in some ways then it's more examining why they want to change um when i mediate it's very solution focused Mm. if they want to resolve the dispute and mediation as a process it works incredibly well about 80 percent of cases that are mediated throughout you know in 
with the company that I mediate for, CEDA, across the whole board of different kinds of disputes, whether it's clinical negligence or a funeral case or uh, a commercial contract that's gone wrong. 80% of those cases settle on the day or shortly after. Mm. Um, I had a case race last week, the week before last. It was um, about the claimant was um, a young woman who was in dispute with a cosmetic surgery organisation because she wanted to have a boob job. And I don't know why I do that when I do that. No, we're all touching her breasts. We're all touching our breasts. She wanted to have a boob job, but... um, but unfortunately, because of her um, her medical history um, and I suppose her mental health history, they refused to do it. They said she had to wait for six months. And so she was very aggrieved by this. She was in a dispute with them, um, which kind of escalated as these things do. Um, but, but yes, we were able to come together and we had three hours together and find a resolution. So brought that to What end. was the resolution, Tracy? I can't tell you what it is. Oh! I want to know I want to know if she's you know poking people's eyes out or just (laughs) yeah well we have an ongoing business dispute actually about how much milk to put in tea Tracy do you think you can mediate that for us Um, well I'd I'd like to know more about it I suppose Helen puts too much milk in tea I mean that's what more do you need to know I would say Ellie puts too little so there you go so so what is it um, why do you say it's too much or, or what is it about the quantity that's important. I like a milky tea, also I don't like a hot drink. So I use milk as a coolant, right? Basically, so and then I can down. I can drink it, and then I justify it and say I need the calcium. Whereas I'm like, we'll just have a fucking cup of milk then. <laughs> just drink some milk. I like milk. I like tea to taste of tea, Tracy. I don't want it to. I don't want a tea milkshake. Mm. That's that's not in my interest. But it sounds like you have different cups of tea, right? You don't share the same cup. No, no. no. It, it somehow offends but her. I don't care what colour her tea is. She gets offended. It's the colour as well. Yeah. So it's the temperature yeah. and the colour. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? I think, you know. <laughs> well, I think we're in the 20% that's not going to get resolved today, Tracy. No, I think that's nobody's right. right. Nobody's wrong. Well, but anyway. <laughs> but let's go back then, because we're, we're here today really to talk about the School of Life and this book, The Good Enough Parent, which Helen and I have read. And I'll be honest with you, we don't read a lot of parenting books, to be honest. We're quite no. lazy and we're not very yeah. Interested in it, but um, we've both read this one, and it's and it's brilliant. Um, but I know the school of life is it's sort of a complicated structure. So, what is the school of life, really? Let's let's start with that. So, the school of life is a global organisation really devoted to helping people live more fulfilled lives, and uh, they do this by touching on the big themes of life, whether it's the self or love or relationships. And um, we're kind of headquartered in, in London in the UK, mm-hmm. but we have offices all over the world and workshops and classes. And um, and uh, that the School of Life will offer lots of um, have lots of literature like this, you know, books. There's masses and masses of online content um, focused on emotional well-being. We run lots of workshops and classes, which I'm involved in. So I'm one of the business faculty, and I often teach one of twenty emotional intelligence workshops whether that be um, how to be resilient or effective confident how to be supportive or compassionate um, how to be decisive for instance and um, also run lots of kind of um, events um, so opportunities for people to meet each other and and get together and and, and, you know just develop more self-awareness because mm. I feel like it's it, it's it's come. How long has it been going for the School of Life? A few years now. Oh, it? many years, many, mm. many, many years. Yeah. And oh. is, it, is it Alan de Botton? Is, did he set it That's up? That's right. He's he, the yeah. founder. That's yeah. right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So much of the um, 
uh, much of the what you hear and what you learn is comes from Alan really I mean he's very you know you know um, incredibly um, uh, um, perceptive and witty and funny and helps makes things digestible as well mm. so one of the things at the School of Life Dove that's very unusual is, is it draws from some of the, the, the great ideas from um, culture and literature the arts or um, oh exactly he's always going on about Dionysus I've noticed that in this book <laughs> what, just tell me whether to give them an iPad how many hours a day to give them an iPad Alan I don't want to hear about Dionysus come on and then, and, and then we kind of use utilize or find the key liberating and transformative ideas from a particular discipline and apply it to everyday life and that's because at the school of life we believe that knowing how to live is something that can be learned so we teach you things that you probably wish well I often wish why on earth didn't I learn this when I was younger or in school Mm. and so it's a continuous learning process really that's what we do and do you think um you know we've all gone through a bit of dark times in the pandemic and I think we've had a lot of time to kind of think about who we are and what we want and what we what we really don't want do you think we think a lot about that don't we how much milk we want in our tea Uh, (laughs) but uh, have you seen a, a bit of a increase Increase in in courses and people wanting to kind of dig a little deeper and and know more about themselves because of that. Or do you think we're all just still under our duvets and, and feeling a bit bit blue? Um, well, I think I I personally have said. Well, I I agree with you personally with regards to the need to understand ourselves better. Mm. I mean, let's face it, we've all been alone with ourselves in a way that we haven't been before. And although there are some people who like to um, you know, kind of introspect and think about what they do and why they do it and how they do it. Mm. Many of us are so busy with our lives and it's outward facing, focused on outcomes and doing that when the, the, the lockdown hit, it was a real shock to the system. Um, and, and we did learn about ourselves, maybe in ways that we weren't mm. particularly happy about. We learned about our habits or our lack of discipline or our lack of focus um, or who we are. So I think that that process... If it hadn't started for others, it certainly started then. And I think with many people have become more in touch with themselves, become more human. And they want to retain that, actually. We want to be more of who we are rather than just being um, what our vocation is or what our job is. We want to learn more about being the best, a better version of ourselves. Mm. Um, so, yes, so the School of Life helps people to think about who they are, why they do what they do and how they can be more fulfilled in their everyday lives. But that better versus best thing, I think, is an important distinction, isn't it? And that's one of the things that first attracted me to this book. Um, <laughs> is, a, is the title, the fact that it's called The Good Enough Parent. So immediately yeah. mm. we're saying there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Oh, and, and children are not, I mean, we've talked to Philippa Perry about this, but children are, are not projects to be failed or, or you know, get an A star on or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a good place to start from, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the, the, the term good enough, it came uh, it was derived from uh the british uh, psychoanalyst donald winnicott back in the 1950s he was a therapist that specialized in uh um uh, working with parents and on relationships and he was really disturbed by how often the parents were coming into his consulting rooms and they were feeling really ashamed of themselves or they were you know deeply um, aggrieved and depressed and anxious because they felt that they were failing as parents because maybe their children weren't getting the, the best grades 
or they weren't, you know, their manners were not as perfect as they would like them to be, um, you know, that they, they didn't have perfect children. Mm. And the parents felt, you know, what what is going on here? You know, we are failing. And Donald Winnicott said, actually, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And, and even if there was, children do not need a perfect parent. Mm. What a child needs is a parent who prepares them effectively for an imperfect world, really. So, so a, a, a child needs a parent who is kind and considered but flawed and imperfect as well to and, and essentially a parent that is good enough so good enough isn't saying you know um or, or the the starting point isn't from the bottom you know i'll just do the bare minimum and kind of throw you scraps or whatever and you can rear yourself it's coming from you don't have to be perfect let's pull that right down to yeah. what is more realistic um and for yourself as a parent and also what the child needs to grow up to be contented and, and happy and actually, I think it says in the book, if you if you act like your parent, if you if you present to your child this image of this perfect person who never gets angry and is everything is perfect and everything's fine, you're doing your child a disservice because you're creating an impossible standard That's for right. them to live up That's to. That's right. That's mm. right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I it's when I read the book and I when you when you're saying that, I think it kind of resonated with you as well, my fellow Libra. But when I read, <laughs> we found book, out before the podcast, everyone. <laughs> yeah, let's pause things. Let's just get just to the real back, good back. Yeah, Tracy and I have got the same birthday. <laughs> So exciting. Such a joy. Yes, Sorry. us and Stefan Dennis, Sorry. 12th of October. <laughs> yeah. If he's listening, happy birthday to us, Stefan. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, you were saying. So, so you were saying that um, the way in which, you know, uh, uh, we shouldn't, children don't need a parent who is perfect because it's, um, uh, you know, preparing them for an, an, um, an unrealistic world. When I read the book, it kind of, and, and I don't read lots of parenting books either. I mean, I mean, my kids are 12 and 16 now. But when I read the book, it kind of felt like a bit of a warm blanket being wrapped around me saying Mm. actually it's okay what Mm. you're doing is fine but I was also I was reading it from the perspective as a parent but also from when I was parented so it made me think about my own experiences and and how my parents treated me so it's that constantly thinking about well what did I get now what do I do Um, but just very reassuring that we just have to be it's important to be real because you know children they they watch our every move don't they you know yeah. unfortunately you know they kind Too of much, yeah. we're under the microscope and they pay attention to everything and if they think that um that, that we are perfect then that puts huge pr- unnecessary pressures on them um mm. but for us to be able to say you know sorry made a mistake or i'm having a bad day today mummy's feeling sad or this is going well or that's not going well that helps them to 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 navigate their own emotional intelligence and begin to understand um you know that the, the highs and lows of the variety of the emotions and the variety of experiences that we have in life so so yeah i i, I think I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the book. Huge, yeah, huge fan. Yeah, well, I liked, and, and like Ellie and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, is there's a chapter, the way that it's presented, actually, because if we go through the chapters, is like on soothing and listening and melancholy, naughtiness, you know, confidence, all sorts of things. But what I really liked was the chapter on melancholy, because I think... I think this is the pressure that we have and we presented it in social media. We've had the best day, we've had the happiest day, these are happy kids, all this sort of thing. We we have this sort of unrealistic expectation about making this life for our children. And I know um, after I got separated, that was my focus. I was like, something really sad has happened and it's out of all our control. We're going to have the happiest life. And, you know, we probably had too many biscuits, had too many movies, but I was like, no, we've got to be happy, we've got to be happy. And, and I just remembered thinking, 
I can't. I'm, that's an impossible task for for me, and that's and that's also pressure on them, because if I'm always saying we've got to be happy, then when they're feeling sad, they might feel like they're wrong, and so that's why I really loved about um, that particular section of the book because everyone's going to have happy and sad days, and now I'm like, yeah, it's okay to feel sad, and we're going to have a sad day, and I have sad days as well, like my grief and my recovery from. Um, divorce is not linear and it's not happy all the time and um, yeah that's what I thought was really useful because I think we as a society are quite afraid of sadness or don't have the language Mm. to talk about sadness yeah Yeah, I I like this bit where it says um, uh, every life even a good one is filled with challenges that warrant regret anxiety grief and feelings of loss sadness is not an anomaly it's an apt and appropriate response to tragedy of being alive one should not have to worry that someone is sad. One would need to be alarmed if they didn't know how to be sad absolutely. sometimes. Oh, 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 it's good. And then there's a bit it's at the end it. about if we find Isn't a child it. in their room and in tears, yeah. and we, we, it's not an insult or a sign we failed. It's a sign that we've been brave enough to allow them to understand life on their own terms. Oh, Tracy, <laughs> you are good enough, Ellie. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, that's pa- powerful very comforting, words, right? isn't it? Powerful oh. words. And these are words that I had never considered myself, you know, oh. but when you read those words it really resonates Mm. and you know for for me I think it's important for for people to live a full life right and a full life means a variety and depth of emotion Mm. um and uh you know going through difficult times and challenging times that's where most growth happens that's the reality of it right Mm. you know um, and there's a there's a phrase that I really like and it says something like um you know when when you hit dark times or yeah when you when yeah when you hit dark times it's because you're when, when you reach a really low point it's because you're supposed to find something down there right yeah and it leads to growth um and so so without um allowing your child without allowing us as individuals to be in that space where we are having a challenging hard times then you know there isn't any growth um and it's not you're right it's not realistic for people to be happy all the time mm. uh, even if you know even if you have everything that you want materially or even you know relationship wise you can still be sad or have dark times and that's absolutely normal mm. um it's funny because when i think about my own experiences i think I, you know i had a relatively happy childhood i didn't really think i'd had um too many challenges or difficulties and I often used to think you know what's where where has my learning happened where does my growth happen and I realized it was only when when I had a difficult time or difficult relationship or was upset that's when I was able to kind of pivot and learn not immediately because mm. it takes time but I th- and that's where resilience comes in right resilience mm. is your ability to bounce back yeah. um from from adversity and you know um get yourself back on track after life throws you off course mm. and uh, so so it's weird when I hear about people who have tough times um, and I hear you know sad sad to hear about your tough times but also it makes me feel excited about the possibilities of what will now happen now that your focus is different right mm. and and life is much more you know open to you and you probably your eyes are much more you know open to experiences so it's exciting as yeah well. yeah no i think i think but tough as well yeah yeah and i think i think that's what we're, a lot of people contact me because i wrote a book about divorce and they said oh i'm afraid of what's on the other side and they know they're miserable and they know they're not happy in the marriage but somehow the unfamiliar is so scary and it's like but what if this and i can't be a single mom and i can't do this and it's like 
but you know that you're unhappy and you need to face it and you know and i i'm i'm guilty of that as well there's there's many times i'm sure i felt i should have gone but um but yeah that, that decision was taken you know that in into other hands but um yeah how do you do that with your the work that you do like you know you can see that there's unhappiness maybe in an organization or a group of people what's the best way to start unpacking that that's a big question sorry sorry <laughs> How do you start unpacking it? I think, um, so what's what's my answer to that? I think, um, well, I I meet people in lots of different ways who are unhappy in some way. They're struggling with something. It could be with, um, a relationship at work. It could be the the work that they're doing. Um, so I'm an executive coach and, um, when I, when I did my, I did a wonderful coaching course at the end of the very first day, you have a real person to, coach as a guinea pig and the individual that I coached was a um a lawyer it was just on the phone so I just kind of learned the skills but I came on the phone I had an hour with them to take them through the process and they said well I don't really know what to do with myself I'm I'm bored busy um I can't stop you know doing things but I'm really unfulfilled what on earth do I do and we had a coaching conversation at the end of it she was like oh you know thank you very much that really helped me and so and so I suppose what happened there was often it's about giving people the space to think about what's important to them Mm -hmm. Um, because we were talking again about just being on this um, on the treadmill of life life is busy and we're always focusing outwards and I think what I do often is create a space for people to think about what's important to them Um, not only what's important but why it's important so people you were talking about people who are kind of feel stuck or trapped and that they're, they're worried about what the future might be so they're holding on to what they know um so so what i would do is give them the space to really you know dig deeper i suppose mm. to find out more about that fear um and and help them think about the future and what could it look like if it was different and take them on the steps mm. you know because i just i i think you know we can't be happy all the time but we certainly shouldn't be sad all the time you know we yeah. shouldn't be feeling fulfilled we shouldn't be feeling trapped but we but but we fall we can fall into a default of that because it's what we know it's what's familiar mm. and it can feel too tough and too painful to change but I guess I would argue that you know it's it's too tough and too painful to stay really yeah and, I think know, that's good to, to flip it, it. Yeah. so just going back to this idea of, of kids and happiness and, and stuff like that and yeah. and so one thing I think a lot of us struggle with is is discipline in that regard because we do innately want our children to be happy all the time yeah. because yeah. we love them. Yeah. But also part of parenting is is saying no and sometimes yes. saying no makes them unhappy, whether That's it's right. no to the third packet of That's crisps, right. the second, second, <laughs> uh, or no to the screen time or whatever. So what are some strategies that we can we can use to help us navigate that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really good point. And in the book, it talks about the way in which um, many of us don't want to say no because we are people pleasers we want to please our children we want to make them happy so that the idea and that's often because of our own childhoods for those of us who struggle with that it is probably it's often linked to our own um, childhood where we maybe had parents or caregivers who were quite strict with us therefore some bit of a, a coping strategy to please our parents in order to survive and we kind of fall into that pattern um so that the question really or the thing to ask yourself is why is it important not to please the child in the mo- in that moment um because it we, we can think about why we want to we want to make them happy but actually 
why is it important that we shouldn't give them that packet of crisps not just or the second or third not just in that moment but in the longer term what is it that we want to teach them what are the lessons that we want them to be prepared for in the world and I, I struggle this with this myself you know I want to keep make my children happy I want to give them things I want to say yes um so I have two daughters mentioned 16 and 12 and uh, my 16 year old I've stopped giving pocket money to um, even though I give it to my 12 year old because I want her to work you know I worked when I was 15 I had a Saturday job in uh, Woolworths I worked in Miss South I had a Saturday job when I was 16 in Sainsbury's <laughs> oh my god we're kindred spirits Tracy we're kindred spirits this I is a beautiful a thing to watch ladies <laughs> but I think I think it's important for you know for, to learn the value of money and yes she's not going to earn much but the alternative is that I just hand her money all the time mm. and she takes it for granted um, mm. you know spends willy nilly and I mean, I'm, I'm not wealthy, you know, by any means. But And I need her to know that when I have money that I give to her, I have to work for it. Therefore, she is now in a position to do the same. So, and I feel bad because I want her to have money. I want her to buy things. I want her to go out. But um, so in fact, she's looking for jobs this week, uh, which is all last week. So she hasn't found one yet. But, um, but yeah, so the question is, why is it important not to please that child in the moment? Mm. And it's often more of a longer term goal rather than what's happening in the short term. Mm. So it means that kind of deferred, um, deferred satisfaction or deferred um, mm. reward for them. But then how do you explain that to a child in a way that they can understand? Obviously, bearing in mind that children often find it difficult to see the longer term and just think we're being arseholes. So so one of the things I think that can be really helpful is um, kind of to recognise and acknowledge the emotions um, that the child is experiencing in that moment and with adults too. So to to acknowledge and say, you know, I can see that you're really or I can see that you're upset and I and I, I know how important this is to you and I know how much you want it um um but I can't give this to you right now um you know maybe tomorrow you can have another or next week you can have another um but right now but you know it's it's um you know it's it's not good for you. you've already had one you've had I'm talking about different you've had a take you've had a packet of crisps they tasted yummy you know I know you enjoy it there will be more but for today that's all there is um because mummy knows best you know I am much older than you um I know best and I want some of the goddamn crisps oh, exactly it. Right. <laughs> they're all gone. yeah but I think I think some children think that there's an unlimited amount of you know screen time and money and all that sort of stuff and I think having some boundaries is really really important well we enable that though don't we yeah. we give them the yeah. unlimited screen time we give them now that you know we've got the 24 packets of crisps or whatever we there is so that the, the volume it's and scale plenty yeah it's it's, too, it's surplus it's excess mm. Mm. we live yeah. in a world of excess and I mean I'd, um, I'm old, older than you ladies are I'm sure but um, you know when I was growing up things were much more um, restrictive yeah. and that was okay you know you didn't expect to have you know quite you know things on a repetitive basis regularly and I think but because we now have we give and that doesn't and it's you know just because we we can doesn't mean that we should because we're not preparing them mm, for yeah. um for life really oh no and the way the kids go oh we'll just take an uber or we'll just get a delivery i think god no all right yeah. I've, got, I've got to the immediacy 
and like we I just think about telly like if we wanted to watch our favourite show we had to wait like five days or go down to Blockbuster and rent a VHS like it's not like oh look I, you know I've got 87 choices like yeah. that must be that must be very overwhelming for them as yeah. well because then you get that thing where you can't choose anything because it's just too much yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's in the book actually I'm trying to think which lesson it was it spoke about I think it spoke about love right I think it's the lesson lesson in love which is chapter two and one of the lessons in love talks about the way the different ways in which we can love our children Mm. and part of that is attunement attunement meaning kind of coming down to their level and seeing the world through their eyes and when we do that it's exactly what what you have said the world is a really overwhelming place because there is so much of everything you know Mm. yeah take an uber yeah let's you know we've got 250 channels plus we've got Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime but there's nothing to watch there is so much of everything so it's about really trying to see the world through their eyes and help them to navigate and narrow things down and put things into perspective Mm. Um, and that's a way of loving not just giving them everything all the time because the temptation for me often with that is, is I hear myself saying in my head when I was your age, we only had four television channels, and mm. you know, and we and I do struggle with things like that because because there are only four TV channels, I ended up watching a lot of stuff that I wouldn't normally watch, and I watched a lot of stuff with my parents because that was we had yeah. one box that showed a thing, and whereas my kids are totally used to this world where they can watch literally anything. I mean, not Squid Game, but they can watch like anything. They have a huge choice, and they don't want to watch the same sort of stuff that I want to watch all mm. of the time, so. I mean, what's the solution to that? Do we do we just go Victorian and just go, right, we're only watching four channels, I'm gonna make you watch this show with me or, you know, stuff like that, or 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 do we do we just accept that that's the world we're living in now? How how do you manage all that? I think I think the first step is that self-awareness and you recognise that the way in which your children, our children are being reared is so different to how we were being reared and also quite alien as well. In, in reality, um, you know, when we were growing up, probably we were mostly influenced by our caregivers and then maybe our friends maybe you know television or radio or whatever um last of all but i would say for the most part children probably are now reared to a large extent by social media or the internet um by by anyone and everyone so they what how do they obtain their i was gonna say moral compass but that sounds a bit strong but how do they retain that their, their, where do their value set come from mm. if it's not from us and i think if we think that our children are, are being too heavily influenced by external sources that we have no control over then we can of course we have control we have mm. the ability to redress that to find a balance that feels right and yes maybe they won't want to watch you know everyone sitting around the television watching dynasty or whatever as i did used to do with my parents oh, on friday night you know beautiful they, they might not want to do that but i think there are things that we can do whether it's screen we used to do screen free sundays don't do it all the time mm. but screen free sundays where we kind of yeah we're going to be in a space together doing things whether it's reading or sitting or board games implementing that but even as a parent it's hard to do that because we're so addicted to our phones but i think mm. we can certainly um put small measures in place to redress that and to find that balance so that we are rearing our child children in a way that feels right for us and not leaving it to all these other external influences to to raise them mm. yeah and it's and it is really easy especially when you're like oh, i've got three loads of washing and i'm just going to get all this done and you're like well and that and you know they're going to be 
fine. They're just sitting there and they're not going to run off or yeah, anything. But then you're like, yeah. oh, it's just it is hard when you're balancing your own needs and the lists and all that sort of stuff about you know how much you how much screen time you have. But you do feel that ick. Yeah. You do feel, you you know you know in your guts when they've had too much time yeah. and you've yeah. you've had a, a well, especially if I know I'm not doing laundry and I'm not doing work. <laughs> I am looking at Instagram or I okay. am you know playing yeah. a video game or I'm doing something that is. Yeah. We've, we, let's not pretend that every time every minute they're watching screen time, we're sitting there writing a novel and playing yeah. the cello ourselves. No, 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 no. That's 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 absolutely true. Or, or we've snuck upstairs for you know twenty minute power nap uh, because <laughs> is that what you're calling it these yeah. days? <laughs> All right, ten minutes. All right. <laughs> Depends if the batteries are running. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I think that um, that we are all slowly becoming. Um, uh, technology addicts really oh, because yeah. it's such oh, it's such mm. a habit it's mm. you know it, it's habitual so we're looking and we're seeking that kind of dopamine hit that reward you know we're searching for something that's going to kind of give us this good feeling inside and we do it ourselves as adults and our poor children are doing mm. it as well you know so we have to find ways to break that because yeah it's, it's just yeah. a habit yeah my 10 year old says to me quite a lot well you're on your phone all the time and I struggle to argue with that I'm like well yeah and sometimes it's for work but sometimes um it's just, just not and it's yeah. like yeah. so i mean how how do we do that like you say if we accept that screens are addictive i mean do you can, what, what are the rules in your house do you do you limit it do you get them to manage it is it do you, is it a reward thing or how does it work um well they're 16 and 12 we give them uh we give them screen uh screen time so um i mean sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work right because um, they cause kids are so smart nowadays they know how to get around it but um but yes i mean i've set my my youngest daughter today she, they're on half term so she's not allowed her phone won't really activate till one o'clock this afternoon so in theory she should be doing other things rather than looking at her phone but so you have a setting on the phone so it's, it's a setting on the phone amazing. which controls when they can access their apps yeah i have the same um, as well yeah. but she hasn't called me that i popped out this I've, i'm here mm. she hasn't called me to say mum you've put my screen time on which i know means that she's found a way around it and she's probably ah. just i don't know using another device to access youtube or whatever she's looking at Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, we we do try to limit it. And if we go out for meals and things, you know, we always say you know put your phone down. Or if we're eating, you know, there are certain times where it's absolutely mm. no phone, even though it's hard for them. Um, mm. Or if my phone beeps because of a work email, and I pick it up straight away, they're on their phone. You know, so it's it's trying to yeah, introduce they'll see them. A, they'll see a, a window. Yeah, yes. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. a no. window of hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, uh, to, to fling open. Yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting what you're saying about finding. TV shows because I know Ellie and I have both talked about we've we've found like we um my kids and I love Parks and Recreation and Modern Family and Brooklyn Nine Nine I know your kids like good Ramsey we like a bit of oh. house yeah, yeah. 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 to the point where now yeah. <laughs> the other week we were on holiday and Joe was going and I was trying to get them ready to get you know get to the beach I was like come on guys put your towels in there and Joe started going how long squid how long that squid <laughs> yeah I'm going to need that risotto <laughs> so it's possibly a sign they've been watching too much but it's also swearing like Gordon fucking Ramsay this exactly, week exactly. so yeah well, they're learning about food that's good but I, I think that's some of my nicest experiences with my children and like we love we love these characters and like it was Matilda's birthday the other night and we had we had 24 hours in London 
and so we were like we went to out for her favorite pizza and we stayed in a hotel even though the hotel's half an hour from my house but we're like oh we just watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine together and then just went to all our sort of favorite places together and that was really nice like there was very little time apart from watching a bit of telly yeah. in the hotel yeah. but it was just about us as a little family of three yeah. doing all our favorite things together and I tried not the only time I got my phone out was to take photos to yeah. you know um to record the memory of it and it was just really lovely and I thought god I just need to do it shouldn't have to be a birthday or something like yeah. that for us to yeah. have that kind of connection but yeah. um yeah, yeah no we, it was really good but um yeah anyway sorry <laughs> um, say I'm lovely parent some of the time <laughs> well it's uh, that human contact isn't it you know mm. nothing beats it you know that yes there's artificial intelligence is on the rise and you know we you know we've got gadgets and you know there are so many things to occupy us social media wise but just having that human mm. contact nothing beats it and giving your child that's and all children want is time really that's yeah. all they want they want you to be looking at them in their eyes they want attention they want validation they want comfort and and if we're looking at our phones and we're not giving that to them so mm. just you know I, I can imagine that you know your your daughter and is it your, your yeah your daughter she you know probably had one of the best times because you were just completely focused and devoted and engaged in that experience and mm. yeah that's that's what they want yeah yeah well that and the ipad in my experience <laughs> but yeah that it is that it is that that thing of of saying no because screen makes my kids really happy especially my eldest kids so i've got two boys and one of them he likes screen like i would say <laughs> every child i've ever met mm. but he likes it but he will he can disengage from it quite easily and like sometimes if we are we have a thing on the telly he'll go and he'll we'll start drawing or you know doing something else the other child just it's all he really wants to do you know he will if you take them away which we do all the time he will read mm. or he will, he will do something else but, he, but only after he spent 10 minutes moping around going oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it is really tough so um and and saying it's hard to say no to the thing that he loves doing but then one of the things that think it says in the book that really stuck with me which i think is it felt like quite a bold thing to read maybe it's not as it no it said we should give our child an early gentle taste of how much unhappiness and resignation all halfway decent lives exact <laughs> and i was like oh my god that's really dark but it's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we're all going to get... We're not going to get the job or we're going to get dumped by the person or yeah, we're going to... Yeah. Or and someone's going to die. That's oh. right. I mean, and they've had those experiences from when they were very, very small, you know, going to nursery, not being able to play with the toy that they wanted or, you know, their drink being finished and wanting more, but it's not there. You know, there are going to be, you know, there's going to... Like a, a fulfilled life still has disappointment and frustration and regret so um so so embrace not embracing that but recognizing that that's just a normal part of life mm. um and 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 and, so, and going back to the good enough parent the good enough parent is there to prepare the child and let them you know and to let them be in that moment if they are frustrated to acknowledge yeah you can you know life is frustrating sometimes and it's okay to be frustrated it's normal um but but not always to be frustrated and actually the frustration usually doesn't last that long there's always something else to to move on to so yeah so yeah it's about balance isn't it as well balance mate yeah. balance. balance misery yeah. happiness screens and, not screens yeah <laughs> hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And another thing I thought was really bold that I wanted to talk about was quite early on in the book. It says um, we should we should accept that perhaps we should get rid of this idea that having children is the only path to fulfilment and is an obligatory role for every human on the mm. planet. And if you don't do it, yeah. you're somehow missing it. Yes. Um, it. I wanted to read this thing. A society that properly loved children would know that the greatest factor contributing to children's welfare is the removal of the idea that everyone should automatically have them. A good society would give equal prestige to child-free and child-full states. And I was like, yes. wow, man. I know. I know, and that's on page, is that look on page? 11, 11. Yeah. I know, it kind of hits you straight away, right, to think about that. And I think um, when I read that, I was really... Um, shocked actually mm. but also i i felt um comforted and thinking actually but it, it's it's very real it's normal um and i have met many i have met many women who i think you probably shouldn't have had children you know but there is a um that uh, there is a compulsion or an obligation a presumption that you know all women should and actually not everybody should because not everyone mm. really in order to be a parent it means compromise it means giving it means sacrifice and not everybody wants to do that or feels the need to do that or has the um, capacity because of their own upbringing or well, whatever that's right it, that's mm. it right so so i think you know just read that's why i think this book is a really powerful book not just for those who have children but for you to think about how you were parented and also for those who don't have children to think about well you know this you know these are the things that these are the reasons why maybe i i you know didn't want to or shouldn't or couldn't because Mm. not everyone should absolutely or or has to Mm. but there are huge pressures on women to perform and you know and you know to, to behave in you know to to maintain societal standards um and that often is you know being this perfect parent mm. yeah because yeah. it's too much for some people they just yeah. they don't have the capacity for that and yeah. also it is a fucking hard job yeah. it's a really hard job yeah. and there are yeah. you know days where you think god yeah <laughs> it'd be easier if i didn't have to you know spin so many plates yeah. and, and do that sort of thing but yeah. you know i i wouldn't i adore being a mother and it's been one of the best things i've ever done in my life and continues to give me um a lot of joy and i love my children so much right now. I don't know if you. I don't know how the, the the love. You know, you can't put a quanti- 
you know, a value on it. But the fact that they're 10 and 13 is a lovely, lovely, lovely age. It's yeah. not too complicated yet. Yes, yeah. But um, I'm not fearing the teenage years so much because they they still communicate with me. Yeah. And I think that's that is would be one of my greatest fears as a parent when they stop telling me how they feel. Well, can I tell you, please prepare yourself. <laughs> Get ready, bitch! Get ready! All right. It it might happen. And if it happens, it's not their fault. You know, it's not their fault. It's very, very normal for teenagers to be moody and unhappy and, you know, can't stand their mother particularly. You know, just, you know, you're an embarrassment and they shut off and they're closed. Sadly, it's very normal. Mm. Um, And I, I, I am. when it happened to me, I wasn't expecting it, but mm. I knew others that it had happened to. And I thought, oh, right, so this is what they were talking about. Mm. And, and it takes an adjustment, um, mm. but, it's, but it's normal. It's normal for 13-year-olds, 13 to, through to 20, to be moody and frustrated and, and uh, you know, lacking empathy. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that. So if it happens... It's, it's not you, it's them. And they are, they're adjusting to, well, number one, they've got so many hormones racing around in them as they, as they kind of transition into adulthood. Yeah. Um, and it's usually a temporary thing as well. It's not a permanent state of being. Mm. So, so, so if, or as you appear to be saying, when it happens, Tracy, um, what, <laughs> what do you do? Do you just go, okay, I'm just going to trust that this is temporary and it's a phase and I'm just going to hang on in here and give them space and kind of not withdraw, but you know not not, not push it. it yeah or do you do you do you fight do you kind of go no i am gonna try and get them to open up and try and get them to talk to me well um i i uh i think that the natural inclination is to fight because it's very frustrating when this wonderful person that you you know carried and raised is now almost turning against you and being quite defiant or difficult so you want to face into it you want them to talk to you but actually um, trying to force someone to talk is close to impossible um, but in my work as a mediator um, I, um, I learned a lot about how do you how do you create an environment for someone to open up and to build rapport and, and build trust with them quite quickly mm. and um we learnt the skills and techniques, but this was really reinforced by two of my colleagues um, at CEDA um, who used to be um, hostage negotiators. In fact, one of them used to teach hostage negotiators how to be a hostage negotiator. Excellent training for teenagers. Yeah, excellent good. Training. <laughs> and the number one skill that is used to deal with that um, extreme level of conflict, um, whether it's, you know, stopping, you know, how do you stop someone from hurting themselves or others jump for budding whatever it might be the number one skill is actually listening which means trying to find out what's going on for that person it's not talking but it's really showing the person that you see them you hear them and you want to understand more so using active listening skills such as uh, paraphrasing so uh, using your own words based on what they've said, uh, reflecting back either a, a word that they have said or an emotion. So it might be, um, okay, so, so you say you're fine, but when I look at you, you, you don't look fine. I think you look quite sad, you know, what's, mm. what's happening there? Using open questions, using silence, um, uh, that is the skill that is used to try to really step into their world and understand as much as possible from them. So it's listening rather than asking questions. Mm. Um, 
is is the way forward now sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work but if you are at least creating that space to try to understand seeking to understand it's Stephen Stephen Covey's book the seven habits of highly effective people habit number five is seek first to understand then to be understood if you're at least trying to step into their space show them that you're with them even if you don't agree then it makes them much more uh, likely to think at least you understand them to an extent rather than trying to force something that they're not ready to give um so so yeah so what i do is i try to um to actively listen to show them to kind of you know stay on their path understand their thoughts as fully as possible instead of just always giving my um defense or rebuttal or mm. you know my opposite view mm. or hit my husband's favorite ah i know what you should do <laughs> no i don't want you to tell me what to do i no. just want you to listen to me moaning yeah why is it so yeah. hard yeah. Mm. Yeah. he's upstairs actually tracy do you mind if i get him down and have a quick we'll have a quick sesh Got have tracy a quick in. Go. she'll yeah. sort you out yeah. Yeah. yeah oh well there we go so yeah so um yeah, well, what what a great book. I also like, just in Chapter 7, Lessons in Naughtiness, there's this bit about Family 1 and Family 2 that I just wanted to talk about where it says, in Family 1, the child is well-behaved. They say how nice the food is. They talk about what happened at school. They listen to what their parents have on their minds and then they go and finish their homework, which is what we're all supposed to do, right? Yes, That's what yes. we're all striving for, or yes. at least told to strive for it. Yes. In Family 2, things are different. The child calls their mother an idiot. <laughs> they snort with derision when the dad says something. They make a rude comment. Uh, if the parents ask how their homework is going, they say school is stupid and they storm off and slam the door. I mean, obviously, I'm family one in that scenario, <laughs> yeah. Tracy. I can't speak for you two. Um, but it says it looks as if everything is going one in family one and bad in two. Yeah. But if you look inside the child's mind, you might get a different picture. <laughs> Yes, yeah. please. Yes, so what please. is actually going on in those in those two families? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, family one, when you listen to it, family one, they're, they're very um, obedient and uh, they're, you know, um, uh, playing the role of being very nice. They're, 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 it's clear that there are much more restrictions on what is safe and what is not safe. But family two, which is quite, a, I think it's quite, I think it's a bit extreme, hopefully, in comparison to mine, although I think I'm a little bit more family two. Family two is giving people the space to be free and to be themselves and to be honest and have those honest conversations and, and reveal their emotions and be um, truthful about what they're experiencing, knowing that they're not going to offend because it's a safe environment. There is a safe base where family, the, uh, the children and family two can express themselves. So the result of that is that the ch- family one, where the child is perhaps very obedient and accommodating and uh, hasn't quite learned the language and the nuances and the vocabulary to say when they're frustrated or they're upset, um, etc., is more likely to be less equipped to have those conversations as an adult because, of course, we, we carry... Um, we carry our methods of of being and our ways of being from childhood into adulthood whereas child t- um, in the child and family too that can be expressive and 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 that can be very honest perhaps too honest at times is someone that can be more likely to um to to actually get what they want because they can because c- they can articulate that mm. knowing that um they're actually going to be okay even if they tell mum that you know you're really annoying and um and and it's yeah they're much more likely to be someone who essentially is going to be more emotionally intelligent to be mm. fair because they know how to manage their emotions mm. i did have an in- incident i had a little incident last week with my youngest daughter she was getting ready for school um 
sorry, it was the week before last, and she couldn't find her, her scorts in the morning. So there was a lot of drama in the house, a lot of tension. And I was like, you know, how many times do I have to tell you? Organise yourself the night before, then you'll be fine. And she was like, really, she was quite moody and upset. And uh, yeah, a little, not, she didn't say she didn't say goodbye, which is very unusual for her. So she left. And then uh, she left the house in the morning and she called me on the way to school and she said, oh, mum, I just wanted to say I'm really sorry for being rude. And I said, OK, you know, what What do you think you were rude about? She said, well, you know, I wasn't really listening to you and I was moody and I didn't say goodbye. And I thought, you know, that's, that's not how I should be with you. So I'm just really sorry about that. I said, it's all right, Jazzy, you know, it's fine to do that. I said, to be honest, we can all be rude sometimes, can't we? We can all be grumpy. We can all be frustrated. So it's absolutely fine. It happens to all of us. And in that moment, I felt really pleased that I'd read the book. Mm-hmm. and really proud that she was able to express herself and I kind of let her express herself but also thankfully she was in emotionally intelligent enough to recognize that's not really how I want to be mm. um so so yes giving the ch- children the freedom to be expressive but respectful as well you don't want it to be too extreme um is important in order for them to grow up to be well-rounded I think Hmm. so there you go in a nutshell if your child's calling you a dickhead you're doing it all right it's yeah. all you're, you're a great parent well done you're good enough you're good enough absolutely oh lovely stuff I didn't say that no uh, but I'm paraphrasing it probably. that's my Such unique skill listening. yeah yeah I'm, I'm actively listening and now I'm just I'm hearing what I want to hear um, excellent stuff well um, oh gosh I feel I feel illuminated Helen I don't I know do, about yeah you. I do too I feel like I'm going to be a better mother from now Oh, forever yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. flawless absolutely um, done speaking of uh, poor parenting shall we have a scummy mummy confession yes <laughs> would you like me to go first oh go on so um, on, on the 24 hours of Matilda uh, we went to a place called Snog which is our favourite frozen yoghurt place and we went to the one that's in Soho. Okay, and it just happens to be opposite a sex shop. Lovely. Which is nice for the kids. Mm. And so we were in there and um, ordering our frozen yogurt and we looked Oh God, across. I thought you were in the sex shop. Jesus. No, 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 okay, no, no. So we're in the frozen yogurt and the kids turned over and the door was open to the sex shop and it was just like a wall of dildos and they were going, yay, dildos. Anyway, <laughs> next thing I know, uh, Martin Freeman walks in who is the Hobbit. Oh, off of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sherlock. So really yeah, yeah. famous. So we were like literally all clutching our knees going... <laughs> Did you say Mark Freeman or Martin? Martin Freeman. Martin, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Sherlock and, and their favourite film, Nativity. Wow. Anyway, I thought this was really funny. After he left, I went, hey, kids, kids, dildo baggins. And, and then we were in bits, yeah. absolute bits. That's 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 a Hobbit franchise. Surely you followed up with he could be the Lord of My Rings anytime. Yeah, he likes. I know. And then, and then I was like, I'm being such a tart for a laugh. I have, I've just spent 24 hours with my children, and now I'm trying to do like funny puns about sex toys. Was, and they and they kept going to me throughout the weekend. Hey, mum, dildo baggins. <laughs> anyway terrible but we bonded anyway there's a lot in that story elementary my dear Coxon (laughs) that's a lovely story Uh, I'm trying to think so my confession is so we just went on holiday for half term we went to Italy yes it was very nice thank you Uh, and it was we had had, some days with some lovely weather so we were able to go in the sea but it was that kind of like where like it takes a little bit of effort to get in once, once you're out you don't necessarily want to get straight back in. You probably you know feel I mean? very good that you've done it, though. It wasn't yeah. that warm. So, um, yes, and uh, so we'd got out, so we'd have a little swim, we'd go out the sea, and then, so here's the thing, so we have we do a stage show, we have a joke in our stage show, 
that's based on a real confession because we get the audience to write down scummy mummy confessions and one of them wrote um that she'd well, she was in the pool with a load of kids. It was the 80s when you could take a lot of kids in on your own. Not very safe. It was a different time. And um, one of the kids said, I really need a wee. And she said, I'll oh, just do it in the pool. And then the kid got out of the pool and did it standing on the edge of the pool, like with yes. his little trunks down. Mm. So I now have stolen this because this is the sort of thing I mean. You can't write that shit, no, Tracy. That's amazing. <laughs> fucking great. So I've knit oh. that for my own stand-up and now mm. I tell that on stage as if it's my story. When, of course, in reality, I would never teach my children to piss in a swimming pool. Um, but then anyway, so so then um, um, we got out of the sea the other day and we were like, oh, just getting dry. And, and then I looked over and I was like, oh, look, there's Charlie just looking out to sea no he wasn't looking out to sea uh he was pissing in the sea from the shoreline luckily the beach was quite oh, empty yeah cock in the wind lovely so, because i'm a great mum i took a picture and i sent it to helen yeah because not you know not from back, back not view front it did look like he was just having a whimsical look out just, to the um yes italian sea but so no. that's my lovely story nice um tracy do you have a scummy mummy confession for us do you have well, they're a... nothing like your confession. No, I mean, we set the bar very low. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, something I feel a little bit guilty about on the weekend was talking to my my young. Well, I was talking to my husband about our youngest daughter, Jasmine, and she loves um, she she loves life. She's really smart. You know, she loves sports. She loves everything, and she really loves drama. And she's recently started to go to a local drama group, a theatre group, on a Friday. Friday and a Sunday and she goes to Brit's, Brit Kids on a Saturday so she just loves drama and theatre but on Friday evening she'd been invited to a Halloween party so I was talking to my husband and, and I said oh you know do you think she wants to go to the Halloween party or does she really want to go to um, the theatre group now we had told the theatre group was actually closed for half term so that's why she felt comfortable going to the Halloween party mm-hmm. and I said that if the theatre group was still open, she'd probably want to go to that instead. Then he said, oh, I don't know. So I said, oh, why don't we tell her that the theatre group, they didn't close for half term, they're actually open tonight. And therefore she has to choose between going to the Halloween party or the theatre group, which she loves. So I called her downstairs and said, oh, Jasmine, I said, um, (coughs) you know, know, um, actually I've just received an email. Have you seen it? Your theatre group's open tonight, but it's at the same time is your Halloween party? I'm really sorry. You know what? Do you what are you gonna do? And she was like, "Are you kidding me?" She goes, um, "Are you sure it's on tonight? Are you sure, Mum? Because that that wasn't the case. And what time does it start? And what time does it finish? Because maybe I can just go to the party afterwards." I said, "Well, no, you can't do both. You've got to choose." Oh well, I need to think about it. I need time to think about it. She, I said, "Oh no, you need to kind of decide now at like twelve <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon." And she was like, "Oh," and then she was umming and ahhing. And in the end, she said, well, all right, then I'll, I'll just go to the Halloween party because the theatre group's on every week and the, the Halloween party's only on once a year. Mm. I said, all right, then, well, you know, fair enough. And I lost the bet, which was to buy my husband sushi. <laughs> and we told her and she was she was like, how could you do that to me? I'm 12 years old. <laughs> She's so, smart. So I felt really bad about it. But, yeah, that's, oh. that's a confession, I think. That's yeah. as bad as it gets. Oh, I love <laughs> it. I love it. <laughs> See, not even Tracy Fox is perfect parent. <laughs> No, no, we're all just bloody no, good enough. She's a scummy mummy like the rest of us. <laughs> Lovely. She certainly is. 
Oh, well, there we go. Well, thank you so much, oh, Tracy, for, you, for all your wisdom, man. You. Absolutely brilliant. And where can people find the School of Life? Because um, that is a they've got you've got websites and all sorts. Yeah, of things, we're right? everywhere. You know, so you can go to theschooloflife.com. Uh, we've got masses and masses of content on the YouTube channel. If you go to our website, we've got lots of books and literature. You can log into classes and workshops and events. So yeah, there's just lots to keep you occupied and help you you know mm. help you you know continue to, to to learn how to live and, and live a fulfilled life mm. yeah. and the book is called the good enough parent and it's it's a nice nice handbag size of putting in the toilet that's <laughs> yeah, what i like can, as well you can, you can skip through it in a night actually it's a really um but also just a lovely resource you just go oh yeah what did they say about this and whatever mm. um but i as you said like the way in which i landed can you say how, how do you say his name? Alain de Botton. Alain de Botton. Um, it is a very gentle, like, no, you're okay. It doesn't yeah. feel patronising or Absolutely. like, no, they're fucked. Yeah. Um, no, it's like, you're, you're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the sequel. No, yeah. you fucked it up. You won't good enough. That's no, the book too. Yeah, um, they're ruined now. Yeah. And where can people, if people want more Tracy Fox, where can they find you, Tracy? Um, so I've, I've got a website, tracyfox.co.uk. It's a terrible website, I have to say. But yeah, I'm on there, I'm on LinkedIn or... Um, I'm on the uh, School of Life website or I work for CEDA, the Centre for Effective Dispute Resolution as well when it comes to mediation. So yeah, I'm mm. everywhere. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Awesome. And where are we, Ellie Gibson? We're all over the shop, mate. Uh, both <laughs> literally and figuratively. Uh, yes, we're on tour. We're going on tour. Um, uh, we're all over the place. Uh, so go to scummyrummies.com for live show dates and tickets. We're booking new, booking new ones and putting them up there for next year all the time now. So mm. keep an eye on that. Sign up for our newsletter if you like. If you go to scummymummyshop.com, you can sign up for our newsletter. Not that we ever hardly send them out. But um, no, it's, no, it's on the list. It is it's on um, the list. Uh, and, and yes, we're going to Norwich and Cambridge because people keep asking about that. And we're doing two nights in Norwich and two nights in Cambridge. So I think they'll be on sale very soon. So exciting times. Yes. Um, I think that's everything, is it? It is. What a delight you've been, Tracy. And enlightening. Yes. Delightful and enlightening. Oh, delightening. Yeah, delightening. delightening. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you for you. listening, thank everybody. Oh, until next time. Bye-bye. Work as, I'm sorry. Um, the, uh, <laughs> that's great. That's the old the old drilling. Don't know mm. if the mic's picking it up. Let me. Yeah. <laughs> now he stopped. Oh well. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.